Welcome to Talk Flagler. You're looking to local personalities, businesses, and everything west of the beach waves. I'm your host, Joey Santos-Jones. And on this episode, we're talking to Mike Martin, one of the three district commissioners from the East Flagler Mosquito Control. Mike, thanks for being on. Well, thanks for having me, Joey. I really appreciate it. Uh, For those who might not know, what exactly does mosquito control do in the community? Okay, we are charged under the state law, the Department of Agriculture, to provide control for mosquitoes. Mosquitoes, if people don't realize it, are a public health menace. They're not just irritating, they're a menace. Mosquitoes are generally considered to be the deadliest animals in the world. And what I mean by that is mosquitoes are responsible for more human deaths than any other animal in the world. And all the wars in human history put together, mosquitoes are responsible for killing more people than that. Wow. So they are very, very dangerous animals because they carry disease. They're called disease vectors. And among the diseases that mosquitoes carry are malaria, uh, dengue fever, West Nile virus, Zika virus, and something called chikungunya, which I've never been able to <laughs> look up, but it sounds horrible. It sounds horrible. And of course, heartworm. And if you think heartworm only affects pets, dogs and cats, you're wrong. In the last 40 years, 100 people in the state of Florida have come down with human heartworm disease. And wow. it is an ugly disease. You can never, you can never cure it. You can only treat it. And so mosquitoes are really nasty creatures. And the few of them that are out there, the healthier the population is. So what our goal is, is to control mosquitoes, to kill them before they can turn it into a, a health menace, before they bite you. We try to make sure that we kill the larvae and we kill the adult mosquitoes where there are sufficient mosquitoes to treat. And we do it all, of course, under the law, the state law, the federal EPA laws. And we have to account for every single ounce of pesticides that we apply. So, so it's very scientific. So with that, uh, a two-parter for you. How does a spray limit the mosquito populations? And how do you ensure that the mosquito treatments are safe? Okay. The first thing we do is we provide in the dish, we provide what we call surveillance. We have mosquito traps. We service those traps Monday through Friday, every day of the week. We bring the traps back to our headquarters. We kill the mosquitoes, flash freeze them, and then we count them. We observe what species they are because we have 48 different mosquito species here in Flagler County. So we separate them by species. We separate them by sex because females are the biters. Males rarely ever bite. They prefer nectar from flowers. And then we do a count because we have to, under state and federal laws, there have to be sufficient number of mosquitoes before we can spray Wow. So we have to do this count because we have to provide this information to the governments if they ask us for it. So we know what the law is. And if we have a sufficient number of mosquitoes in a place, we will go out and spray that particular area without any requests from people because we want to be proactive. We don't want to be reactive. And we all, so we do that. We will spray for adult mosquitoes and we'll, we will larvicide for the mosquitoes that are larvae. And we also keep track of that. We know what, what mosquitoes like, what the environmental conditions should be. So we actually have, we use game trail cameras, which I think we may be the first mosquito control district in Florida to do that. We also have bought agricultural soil moisture probes, which farmers use to determine when it's time to water their fields. We use them to determine how wet the soil is because we know exactly what soil moisture levels mosquitoes want to be optimal to lay their eggs. So when we see the results, and all this is done by Wi-Fi, the game trail cameras and the agricultural soil moisture probes are connected 
to little transmitters through Wi-Fi that we can pick up and we can look at them anytime during the day we want to. So we know when the soil conditions are right and there's sufficient moisture, we can go out and then we can put the larvicide down to kill the mosquito larvae before they even hatch and turn into adults. It, it's I'm not under, underselling it. That's amazing that how much science goes behind this. And also the idea of the Wi-Fi and the cameras and actually how much of a nuanced approach that you have to this. To yeah, I, it really surprised me when I came in because I didn't know much about mosquito control until I got elected. But it's really, really scientific. And the all the chemicals we'll use are approved by both the State Department of Environment and Protection and the Federal Environmental Protection Agency. So the manufacturers have to get approval from both the federal and the state level before we can use these pesticides. They have to get them certified. And if people have any questions about, about what chemical we use, they're listed on our website. Awesome. The, the material safety data sheets, which the manufacturers provide, are listed on our website. So you can see what chemicals we use, what the uh, hazards were. A lot of them, are, you know, you shouldn't be breathing them in. They don't want you, you know, to be eating the, the chemicals, the obvious, <laughs> you know, uh, don't inhale, wash your hands, you know. Gotcha. But to be perfectly honest, if you look at your tube of toothpaste, it actually tells you that if you consume accidentally more toothpaste than you would use for brushing your teeth, to call a poison control center. Yeah. So something innocuous as toothpaste can cause you know problems as well. So all chemicals have their side effects. Yeah, and uh, that information will be on flaglermosquito.com. Yes. Okay. Um, so for the community, I know a lot of us will buy spray, we'll buy the candles. Uh, I know I have a lot of mosquitoes in the back, especially in the rainy season right now. You know, we have a tropical storm brewing in under, uh, what are some things, uh, effective ways that our community can protect themselves from mosquitoes and getting bit? Well, there are two types of mosquitoes basically that, uh, can afflict us. One is called container mosquitoes. There are mosquitoes that grow in small and close protected bodies of water, like, a uh, pot for your uh for your yeah. plant in tires uh bird baths dogs water bowls that are left outside mm -hmm. any small area that is protected and the water is quite still those can attract container mosquitoes and you can easily get rid of those you don't even need to spray just remove the containers we're trying now to we have a, a plan in place to uh, flag our county schools to allow us to come into fifth grade and do some mosquito education at fifth grade level because that's when they start getting into biology and the life cycles of insects and animals. Yeah. So we think it's a perfect place to get to these children because if we can teach them, hey, when you go home, look around your yard. Do you see any standing water? Are there any holes in, in your lawn that's filled with water? Is your dog's water bowl outside? Is there a bird bat out there with stagnant water? You see any of those? Tell your parents to get rid of them because that will draw Containers. If you've got time, I'll give you a real quick anecdote. We got a call from a woman here in Palm Coast who complained she couldn't go outside her house at all without getting swarmed by mosquitoes and bitten. So, of course, we sent a technician out and our executive director decided to go with a technician because he was curious about what kind of mosquitoes would swarm during a day. Yeah. They pull up to this woman's house and they walk her driveway and they see you know, those big plastic containers and maybe five gallons that people use. They put their winter clothes in and and or you know put them away or they use to store comforters or blankets yeah. you know in the summertime she had those without the lids on surrounding her house end to end because she didn't have any gutters and when they looked in <laughs> these containers the top was black with mosquitoes so wow. this woman actually had her own mosquito breeding program going on and didn't realize it so when they knocked on the door and asked i said what's why do you have all these containers out there she's oh well i'm a gardener and i want to catch rainwater to i use the rainwater to water the, to water the garden 
And they're like, no, you've got a mosquito breeding program going on here. You can't do that. <laughs> so they had to educate her that, no, get rid of those. You got to probably put gutters on and downspouts into a closed barrel. That's the only safe way you can collect rainwater without attracting mosquitoes. So education for the container mosquitoes is really important because you can solve most of those problems by yourself. You know, don't make sure you don't have any old tires or if you live, say, you know, next to a swale, make sure nobody has thrown old tires and yeah. anything that can hold water. And if you do have a swale and it doesn't drain well, contact the city because Usually, if you have about 72 hours worth of standing water, then it becomes a real threat to draw mosquitoes to lay their eggs in it. Now, the other kind of mosquitoes we have are the salt marsh mosquitoes, and they can fly up to 20 miles. So they can leave the salt marsh and come to your houses and bite you and then fly back. You know, we can we actually can get mosquitoes that come from the marshes in Volusia County. Because, like I said, they can fly 20 miles in no respecter of counties. And yeah. So they're drawn to areas of development because they're attracted by light. And they're attracted by the carbon dioxide we exhale. So when they see light and they go to her and then they start picking up traces of carbon dioxide, it's like, oh, the smorgasbord border is open. All you need, guys. <laughs> so one of the things that we do is we're very proactive out in these salt marshes, out in the swamps, because nobody lives out there. So we can go ahead and spray. The chemicals we use break down very quickly. So they're not really a problem to the animals that live in the swamps and yeah. we can get these mosquitoes control them. You know, our goal isn't to kill all the mosquitoes our goal is to make sure that we control them to the point where they're not a disease threat is there a benefit to the ecosystem around here just to have mosquitoes present or are they always a new a nuisance no a lot of other I mean fish eat mosquitoes there are species that are nicknamed the mosquito fish because they eat the larva frogs eat them bats eat them so there are there are other animals out there that do Got to eat the mosquitoes. The problem is the mosquitoes breed so quickly that they overwhelm, you know, the predators that would ordinarily keep them controlled. So that's where we have to step in. And again, everything we do is determined by is there enough mosquitoes at this location to satisfy the law that we can go and spray. If there is, we can go and spray. If there isn't, then we have to wait till the mosquitoes build up further. And uh, to the point you said the woman contact you, my next question was going to be about if someone had a problem to contact you, just go to flagglingmosquito.com. They could email either you. Right. You, you, if you're in the district, if you live in the district and our boundaries are on our website, and if you go, to, you can either call us or you can go on our, online on the website and request service. Now, if you're outside of the district, you have to go to the county. We have an agreement with the county that was uh, drawn up in 2003 by the county. And it requires the county to contact us, ask us for service. Okay. This agreement is not working. We haven't been contacted once by the county this year. And in the previous three years, they've only asked us four times for spraying over three years. We know there's a lot more mosquito problems than that in the rest of the county. So what I'm working on right now is I've drawn up a draft, new, a new draft agreement that will take the county out of the loop as far as having to deal with mosquito complaints that they will simply give us a budget of what they want to spend every year on mosquito control. And then we will get all the calls, requests for asking mosquito control. We will go out. We can do a quick, we call a landing count rate, which will tell us how many mosquitoes are there. If there's a fish in the mosquitoes, we'll spray right then and there. Because obviously the county is doing a very poor job of trying to pass on the request to us. Um, we're also in the middle right now of a, an expansion that we're trying to expand it to not, not very far. It's about 13% expansion that we want to do right now. Basically it's sawmill estates, all the land west of us one to the CSX railroad tracks. 
and then south to include Plantation Bay, Eagle Rock, and Corona. That is our first phase. We've been talking about this since January. Recently in May, the former Flagler County Administrator, Jerry Cameron, came to us and wanted us to expand to include the whole county. We'd love to do that. The problem is there isn't the money to do it. Gotcha. We have, in the district right now, we're about 20% of the county right now. We have 94% of all the ad valorem property tax value. So there's only an additional 6% in the rest of the county to cover an 80% of the rest of the county. So you run the math, there's no way it adds up. 6% can't pay for a 400% Correct. expansion. Do you know if the county right now is outsourcing that or is it just not getting done outside it's of the It's not getting done. Okay. Like I said, we have the agreement. The, when I, when I, we spoke to Jerry Cameron. He told us that there's nobody in, on the county staff that's in charge of, of collecting these mosquito requests. And they don't keep records of how many of them are. And they said they haven't asked us once this year to spray. And we know from our own data, we've had several, you know, very heavy rain events. And we've seen the spike in mosquitoes inside the district. We know there's got to be a corresponding spike out in the rest of the county. Yeah. But the county hasn't called us. And unfortunately, we can't act unless the county calls us. And the county, they're so confused that people call the county. And some of the county staff has been telling them, oh, call the mosquito people. So they call us. And we're like, we're sorry, under state law, we cannot spray outside the district until the county contacts us and asks us to. And for residents, that's a sensible conclusion that they would come to is, well, I'm just going to call the mosquito because why wouldn't they service me? Yeah. So that's one of the reasons, one of the things we're trying to change. One of the reasons we're trying to make a new agreement. We're going to, we have a board meeting on Monday. I hope that we're going to approve this agreement and send it to the county. And then we'll just see what the county says. Because... Again, this is a matter of public health. So we people outside the county have just as much need of mosquito service as people in the district. Yeah. I'm mean, so people outside the district in the rest of the county, they need it. Now, we also know we've heard from a couple of landowners out in the rest of the county that they don't want mosquito service. Some of them have organic farms. We know there are apiaries out there. People keep bees. We don't want to spray near them. Uh, we don't want to spray anywhere near organic. And we don't really want to spray on anybody's property that doesn't want us to. So... We're trying to figure out how we can do this. We're trying to work with the county, with the agricultural ex- extension department yeah. of the county, to try to identify the areas out in the rest of the county, outside the district, who might not want to be sprayed. Yeah, we do. You can contact us right now. We do keep a list, a database of property owners who don't want to be sprayed, and we're more than happy to respect your wishes. We're not trying to spray the whole county. You know, we just want to limit the spraying to where it's needed and where people want it. Well, uh, shifting gears a little bit, you served uh, on the mayoral election canvassing committee alongside David Valinsky. Uh, you were uh, the backup. That was the alternate, yes. The alternate. Uh, tell us about that process and what you oversaw in that position. Well, first of all, I've never seen an election from the inside, so to speak. So it was really educational and really fascinating. And the one thing that struck me the most was how serious Katie Lenhart and her staff take it. Yeah. It's, they're as worried about election fraud as every, anybody else is. And they really do a wonderful job. They, you know, if you fill out a mail ballot, you have to fill out in black ink. They don't allow anybody to walk into the back part of the office with a black pen. Yeah. They'll, if you need a pen, they'll give you a blue ink one. Again, because they don't want a chance of anybody getting access to a ballot and be, be able to mark it. Um, I posted on Facebook a while ago because we discovered there are a number of mail-in ballots where the signatures on the envelope didn't match the signatures that are on file. And those particular mail ballots, there were 81 of them from all the mail ballots that were received by the election office, those went to the canvassing board because we were the last 
you know, court, so to speak. When a mail ballot comes in, each and every single mail ballot is examined by one of Katie's staff and matched the signature on file. If they can match a signature, that ballot is accepted and it will be open and counted. If they, if their staff can't match the signature, they call in some of the senior staff who have been trained to go through and try to recognize signatures. So every single mail ballot gets their signature analyzed. If it doesn't match to the signature on file, then they, you know it goes up the chain until it finally comes to Katie. If the Katie and her staff can't match the signatures, those are the ones that come to the canvassing board. And what I posted that we had to reject 70 of the 81 mail-in ballots that we considered because there's no, no way the signatures match. Yeah. So I posted because I, I have a feeling that people maybe do what I do when I go pick up a prescription and I sign the electronic pad. I just scribble something. I don't sign my name. How often do you look at your license signature after you've done it that one time? Yeah. So I have a feeling maybe people don't realize that the signature is vitally important yeah. because if they can't match that signature to the one you, they have on file, which is your driver's license signature, Correct. they're not going to be able to accept the ballot. So I put this on Facebook saying, look, please make sure if you vote by mail again, take a look at your driver's license signature and sign your name exactly the way it is on your driver's license so your ballot will be accepted. And somehow people on Facebook, when I mentioned 81 ballots that we had to go through, thought that we only looked at 81 ballots and the rest of them were accepted without verification. And no, it's absolutely false. Every single mail ballot is verified, every single one. And Katie and her staff, they do an incredible job. There is no way, honestly, I can see, and I think I'm a pretty smart person, but I can see that election fraud could be carried out here in Flagler County. You would have to bribe the entire staff of the election board because everything's done. In the areas where they work with the ballots, every, every wall is glass. Yeah. There's no such thing as private office where ballots go. Everybody can see what everybody else is doing. So there's, that's a tremendous check and balance on someone trying to you know, do any kind of cheating. And the server that actually totals up all the ballots is not connected to the Internet. It's totally separate. Nobody can get access to it unless you're in the room where the server is. So their security to me is phenomenal. And I, and I tip my hat to them because there are so many things that I never even thought about. Yeah. So when these people make these baseless allegations of fraud, you know, because your candidate lost, it's got to be fraudulent. I'm sorry. It's just not true. Yeah, we had Katie on a few episodes ago, and she talked with us in length about all the procedures that she was doing. She was open and transparent. She said that anyone could reach out to her, you know, if they had any questions, she would she would personally answer them. And her staff has been, you know, very accommodating during this. And election. every single meeting of the canvassing board is open to the public. Every single one. Yeah. I, I I know Katie posted it on her email list. I posted on Facebook, inviting people to come down to watch. And the only people who showed up weren't connected to a candidate or one of the parties. We're two friends of mine who came down to look and check it out and see. Yeah, what it's it was boring about. after all because you're just watching people opening ballots and stacking them, you know. And so it's not really enlightening. But I, I invite everybody next year in 2022. You know, we're going to have another election here in Palm Coast, and yeah. I invite them to go on Katie's site, see when the meeting dates are with the Canvas Board, and come down and watch part of the meeting because it really will reassure you watching it, how well organized and how safe the election really is. Especially in this climate, I think it's vitally important to understand the processes. And that meeting sounds like it's one of those to understand the process that everything is going going through, to introduce yourself to the people who are in charge of everything. So there's faces behind it. You can talk to them. You can ease any kind of fears that you had. Uh, and, and you're effectively saying everything that you saw was on the up and up. And uh, the fears that people have right now are just unwarranted. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
we, you know, they're required by state law to do, to do a recount on one precinct. So we picked one at random. We actually took, wrote down all the numbers of the precincts, cut them out to the same exact size. We actually use one of those industrial cutters. <laughs> so, you know, we, they were all exactly the same size. We folded them up, put them in a bucket, and then the uh, Chris, one of the election workers, held the bucket up high, and David Valencia was sitting down, reached his hand up and felt around the bucket and pulled one out. So there's no way he could have even seen which one he was picking. Yeah. And that it turned out to be precinct 14. And that's the one that we did a hand recount on. And the totals matched exactly to what the machine totals were. Exactly. Good. Um, what operations are coming up in the district? Well, you can go, we put on our operations on, again, on our webpage. So you can go on, you can also go on, we have a Facebook page too. You can go on and look yeah. at. So you can see which areas have, you know, were sprayed and how they're sprayed with a truck, helicopter. And you can look also, you can look and see what operations are planning, you know, for the next day or so, because we don't know where we're going to spray until we have that morning's data. So, you know, we can't make plan. We can't say, oh, well, on Friday, we're going to spray up in the Tanzas woods. We have no idea whether we're going to do that next Friday or not. It all depends on how many mosquitoes we find in the morning. So it's hard. We, we can't make predictions on where we're going to spray, but you can see the areas that we have been spraying. And you can follow along. You can see, you know, where the spikes of mosquitoes are. Yeah. And again, we have to abide by state and federal law. We can only spray when there are sufficient number of mosquitoes. So if we don't get that level, we don't do any spraying. As a matter of fact, in the end of April and for most of May, for a little over three weeks, we, we did no spraying at all. Because if you remember, it was a very dry yeah. period. There wasn't much water anywhere. And there weren't any mosquitoes in the traps. Which is fine with us, you know. What yeah. <laughs> we're like, oh, hey, we're saving some money. We don't need to use any chemicals. Yeah. Because a single drum of one of the chemicals used, Dibrom, is $7,200. And once wow. it's opened, it has to be used. You can't close it because it's air sealed and vacuum packed. Gotcha. So it goes bad very quickly. It's supposed to. When it's exposed to air, it breaks down. That's the whole reason that we use these pesticides. Because we don't want them to last in the environment. It's bad for the environment. Also, it, it's not only that bad for the environment, but if you have pesticides that last and mosquitoes come in repeated contact with the pesticide, they develop immunity to it. Right now, we only have two licensed adult, uh, adulticide pesticides that we can use, only two, because the other ones that have been around, mosquitoes have become immune to them through overspraying. Wow. So we're very careful not to overspray, not to spray unless we have to, because we don't want to, these mosquitoes, to build up immunity, because that might lead with the same like antibiotics. When everybody started, you know, doctors thought, you know, you came in with the flu and they, they gave you an antibiotic because you asked for it. Yeah. And, of course, the flu is a viral infection. Antibiotics are for bacterial infection, so they do no good at all. But doctors were doing it. They were putting antibiotics in, you know, in cows. So you get it in your milk. In what happens is that the bacteria, the same thing, they develop immunity to these, the antibacterials. And then you got to go research and create new ones. Yeah. So it's important for us not to overspray, and that's why they make the pesticide break down really quickly. I think, if anything, the biggest takeaway is the data-driven nature of the mosquito control that we see in the county, uh, the directive that you have in the certain areas, and how easy it is to get in contact with you, and how how much people should search out more information about what's happening in our district as far as mosquito control goes, and more about the county coverage that's coming up more recently for people to understand that, that they may not be covered and they might not know that they're not covered. So it's definitely an issue that people should be looking into and at least 
you know, att- attending some of these county commissioner meetings and uh, voicing some interest in this. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to say, you know, if you live in a district, you pay us taxes and they're really reasonable. I pay $34.18 a year for mosquito service. And for that, I can get mosquito service anytime I, I feel I need it. So you, it's, it's, it's free. Once you paid your taxes, we don't charge anything else. Yeah. So if you have a mosquito problem, you think you have one every week, you can call us every week and we'll send somebody out and we'll do the test. And if we find you really do have a, a sufficient mosquito problem that we can legally spray for, we'll spray. So it's one of the reasons that we're trying to expand now because these new areas that are under development, I mean, Plantation Day has been around for a while, but yeah. Sawmill Estates is, you know, it's going to be much bigger than it is now. And same to Eagle Rock and Corona, we feel those areas are getting sufficiently dense in population that they're going to be attracting a lot of mosquitoes. So they're going to need spraying. And that's why we're trying to expand to those areas. Future expansions will depend a lot on, well, the economy for one thing, you know, what's going to happen to the property values. If property values suddenly start falling and then we don't have, we have shrinking revenues. Yeah. It's highly unlikely we're going to be able to expand. And also the rest of the county before from some of the county residents, they don't want spraying. Mm. So we have to start looking at, does it make sense to try to expand the whole county if, if a large number of people who live in the west of the county don't want spraying? You know, maybe it makes more sense to simply do what we're trying to do now, create a new agreement, which will allow us to respond when people call us and request service. So that way, anybody who doesn't want it, if they don't call us, we don't spray. Mike, I want to thank you so much for being on the program today. Um, you can reach out to Mike on flaglandmosquito.com. Uh, is there any other ways that you want to reach people to reach out? You said facebook.com. Do you know what the URL is for that? Uh, no, I just type in flaglin mosquito. Type in flaglin mosquito. It's going to come right up on Facebook. Reach out to them. Obviously, there's services that you didn't know that you could have rendered for you that are available to you. So check it out. Um, any other things that you want to? I just want to say that one of my goals when I got elected was to try and create a public awareness of our agency. We're a government agency. We, we take your tax dollars and we use them to provide a service. And when I ran, I was horrified at how many people who live in the district and pay taxes to us had no idea we existed. And that was absolutely horrible to me. It's like, wait, we're taking their tax money and they don't, they don't even know we existed. Yeah. Part of the reason was because when you get your tax bill from the county, it says EFMCD. And then it says mosquito control in the next column over. So unless you know EFMCD stands for East Flag Mosquito Control District, you people think they're paying their money to the county and the county is providing it. Mm. So a lot of people didn't even know we existed. And I was like, no, that's not right. We got to operate in the light. We need transparency. People yeah. need to know who we are and what we do. And we think that we provide a really good service for them. We think we do an excellent job of protecting them from catching you know, these diseases. But People have to know about it. So it was one of my goals. So again, thank you for having me on. Because the, oh, more, the more that we can reach out and make people aware of us, I think the better it is. Because again, we're a government agency and our taxpayers should know who we are and know what we do. So they can say, hey, I like these people because they don't know anyone, <laughs> but they, you know, they kill mosquitoes. Thank you so much for being on the program, Mike. Oh, thanks for having me.